0: Today's reading is from Habakkuk, Chapter 3, A Prayer of Habakkuk, the Prophet, on Shigionoth. Lord, I have heard of your fame. I stand in awe of your deeds, Lord. Repeat them in our day. In our time, make them known. In wrath, remember mercy. God came from Timan, the Holy One from Mount Paran. His glory covered the heavens, and his praise filled the earth. His splendour was like the sunrise, rays flashed from his hand where his power was hidden. Plague went before him, pestilence followed his steps. He stood and shook the earth, he looked and made the nations tremble. The ancient mountains crumbled and the age-old hills collapsed, but he marches on forever. I saw the tents of Cushan in distress, the dwellings of Midian in anguish. Were you angry with the rivers, Lord? Was your wrath against the streams? Did you rage against the sea when you rose your horses and your chariots to victory? You uncovered your bow. You called for many arrows. You split the earth with rivers. The mountains saw you and writhed. Torrents of water swept by. The deep roared and lifted its waves on high. Sun and moon stood still in the heavens, at the glint of your flying arrows, at the lightning of your flashing spear. In wrath you strode through the earth, and in anger you threshed the nations. You came out to deliver your people, to save your anointed one. You crushed the leader of the land of wickedness. You stripped him from head to foot. With his own spear you pierced his head when his warriors stormed out to scatter us, gloating as though about to devour the wretched who were in hiding. You trampled the sea with your horses, churning the great waters. I heard and my heart pounded, my lips quivered at the sound. Decay crept into my bones and my legs trembled. Yet I will wait patiently for the day of calamity to come on the nation invading us. Though the fig tree does not bud, and there are no grapes on the vines, though the olive crop fails and the fields produce no food, though there are no sheep in the sheepfold and no cattle in the stools, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will be joyful in God my Saviour. The Sovereign Lord is my strength. He makes my feet like the feet of a deer. He enables me to tread on the heights. For the Director of Music, on my stringed instruments.
1: Should we pray? We've just read really it, we want to pray it, Lord, that we who have heard of your fame, who do stand in awe of your deeds, Lord, we do come before you yearning for you to repeat them in our day. In our time make known your goodness and your glory. In your wrath remember mercy. And Lord, would this ancient word be spoken afresh into our minds, our hearts, our lives today, we pray. In Jesus' name. Amen. If you have a personal faith in Jesus, what really puts the wind in your spiritual sails? What gets you to the point of really wanting to sing or speak out God's praises? Is it... When things are going well, when your plans are working out, things are lining up, you're getting where you want to go, and so you feel like saying, Thank you, Lord, and praising God for it. If so, what happens when the sun is not shining, when nothing's lining up, when hard things are happening to you or to people close to you, when you turn on the news? And it's horrendous yet again. What then? This little book of Habakkuk speaks into those issues. It starts with the question, which was the series title, How Long, Lord? And it ends with this prayer. Although, did you see from verse 1, it's called a prayer, but then uh, from verse 1 and right at the end, it's got music, and it's written out as a psalm. And so Habakkuk, from what starts as a personal prayer, has written it into a psalm to invite others to pray it and to sing it with him. In terms of what he prays, that's where we started in verse two a moment ago. It's simple and heartfelt. He says to God, listen, since I was little, God, since I was little, I've heard of the great things you've done in the past. I know what you've done to rescue your people. I'm in awe of it. Please do it again. We so need it. We so need you, God. That's his prayer. It's a prayer for renewal, revival, restoration. It's a direct appeal to God's character. Did you see that as he appeals to God's mercy? And so, you see, after hearing God's sobering warning in chapter two of of coming judgment, that's what chapter two mainly uh, focused on. There's no attempt there. Uh, As he starts chapter 3 to defend Israel or to defend himself, he knows that God's wrath is utterly justified. In fact, he started the book in chapter 1 by praying for exactly that for God to do something about the evil all around him. He knows that God is justifiable in his anger, but he also knows that God is merciful. But God's mercy and grace are so strong that even when God is flagrantly ignored, disregarded, has to look at all the evil in the world, even then he still loves, like a mother loves her children, pretty much no matter what, in just that total continuing way, whatever they do. And so Habakkuk, having prayed for justice in chapter 1, here in chapter 3 adds an appeal for God to show mercy. And again, as we note that, we want that to fuel and feed into our prayer lives, don't we? That we too might tune in to this kind of Bible praying that when we come before God, we might come before him not only about the personal things, our daily bread, but also about the big things that Jesus taught us to pray for. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. It's why this is the verse that I went to on September the 11th, 2001. Habakkuk chapter 3, verse 2. That's the prayer itself. But Habakkuk doesn't just tell us what he prayed. He makes the whole thing into a psalm. And in verses 3 to 15, he gives a word picture of some of what has led him on this journey and advanced him on the journey to say that he's in awe of God's deeds. In verses 3 to 15, the bulk of it, we get this vision of God on the move. The mighty creator coming to confront human evil and wrongdoing. And he comes with cloud and fire and earthquake. And if you've seen any of the Marvel movies or the sort of Hollywood superhero genre, then you'll have seen what Hollywood would do with a description like this, as the lead character would be filling the screen. And there'd be a spectacle to witness and what you see, awe-inspiring visuals, And surround sound to make your seat shake. If you've watched any of those movies, I'm sorry I've I've spoiled the formula there, but we recognise the formula that they use. Well, this is an ancient poetic version of that. And actually, it's even bigger, the picture it ends up painting. Because it's layer upon layer of a word picture based on what God has actually done in the history of, of Israel. Things you thought were permanent like age-old hills crumble and collapse. Things the ancients worshipped like rivers and the sea, they just do what they're told by God. As they did with Jesus too, if you remember. Habakkuk is thinking particularly about the events of the book of Exodus, the rescue from Egypt, the defeat of Pharaoh and his army as a template of what God has promised that he'll do again, which he's described in chapter two, because God has a track record of using his power, his might, to stop the evil and oppression of the world and to rescue his people. And so if you flash down to verse 16, as Habakkuk remembers it all, as he sings it all out, he's overwhelmed, he's getting weak at the knees. You can imagine him falling face down before recovering uh, and realising that, that God's awesome power, what God has done in history, means we can have total confidence when he says in chapter 2, woe to Babylon. And actually re-preaching this at this current time, I don't think there's ever been a time in my life that I've been so aware that it is good news that there is a mighty God who will put a stop to human evil. As we see people at a shopping centre destroyed as just sort of casualties of the the war, and you think, woe to Babylon, Lord, you've said it. Evil will be accounted for. It will not have the last word. And Habakkuk says, I'm going to put my faith in that. I'm going to wait patiently for the day of calamity to come on the evil empire of Babylon, then, and anything like Babylon since. And that is the sort of confidence you and I can have as we read the promises in the Bible, Old and New Testament. If God has said it, He will do it, definitely. And actually, for us, it's even stronger than it was for for, for Habakkuk back then, because as we look at the Bible, we've got more of the history of what God has done through the ages. We can see a repeating pattern of God making promises and people having to wait, but then those promises coming about. Supreme, we see it in a long wait uh, for the Messiah, all the way from Abraham, where it says, promise, one of his offspring, all the worlds, all the nations, blessed through through, through his seed. All the way from Abraham through the history of Israel until the coming of Jesus. And of course, that's how Habakkuk's prayer for God to, in wrath, remember mercy, how that prayer actually was supremely answered as God in Jesus died on the cross, as he took his own wrath against human wrongdoing on himself so that he can have mercy on all who turn to jesus we sung it didn't we i cast my mind to calvary where jesus bled and died for me i see his wounds his hands his feet my savior on that cursed tree that's where the prayer was answered supremely that's the christian hope that that is the that is who god is the god who even as he opposes evil in the strongest way, remembers mercy for all who call out to him. And so it is that this book, this book ends with one of the most remarkable statements of faith anywhere in the Bible. Uh, Verse 17 and 18, uh, you get it. Verse 17 describes devastation, basically, in an economy like Israel's. No figs, no grapes, no olives, no wheat, no barley, no sheep, No cattle. That isn't a bad year. That is the total collapse of the economy. It's death. It's famine. It's no safety net. No government to help. Yet Habakkuk says, verse 18, not just all this is happening, but I will trust the Lord. He says, I will rejoice in the Lord. I will be joyful in God my Saviour. Extraordinary. We tend, as I, as I said, suggested in the introduction, we tend, I tend, to draw a line from our circumstances to what we think about God. Circumstances are positive, and we say, "God's been really good to me. I'm so thankful. Praise Him." But then we hit tough times. We face depression or illness personally, or in the family, or amongst our group of friends. We see evil and injustice and tragedy in the world. And if we draw a line from that, we start to doubt God's goodness or his existence. We're certainly doubting that God's going to do anything about it, which is where Habakkuk was at the start of the book. But by this point, he ends the book... He, he sings out this psalm and invites us to join in because he's he's seen that there's not this line from immediate circumstances to what's true about god he's gone back over the history of israel all the things that god has done he's he's realized that god is the consistent thread circumstances go up and down and he's both convinced and overwhelmed by the goodness and glory of God, despite everything about to go wrong in his circumstances. And that's true of him not in some kind of escapist way. He's not trying to escape from his responsibilities or from reality. I say that confidently because of verse two. Remember where we started. He's praying earnestly, he's crying out to God. He's no doubt involved in what he can do in his society in his day. He's written this psalm as the big thing he's done to encourage his generation and future generations to join in in praying to this God. So it's not escapism. It's rather saying, ultimately, the only hope for the world is the good God who is mighty to save. It's the only hope when things... Are falling apart. It's the only hope if you're in a bunker, sheltering from Russian shelling, or whatever else. It's also the only hope on a sunny day, when you finish a day's work and it's glorious and you go for a drink with a friend. (laughs) It's the only hope when all your plans are working out. It's the one constant, whatever's happening in circumstances, is the God who has promised put an end to all evil, and to have mercy on everyone who puts their faith in Jesus. So for all of us, as we end this little mini-series, some of us have been here each week, some of us have been able to just duck, duck in today. But this book of Habakkuk, he encourages us to say, let's put our faith in God, come what may, and wait patiently for his timing. Verse 19, just a little side, you'll notice that puts a spring in your step leaping like a deer on a hillside, metaphorically, depending on the state of the knees. What has Habakkuk done to go from how long, Lord, the cry at the beginning, to everything falling apart, yet I will rejoice at the end? How can we, therefore, be like him in having this mindset as we approach the day, the week, the future, knowing that it'll be ups and downs. Two things that we've seen today. He intentionally remembers God as you go through that, that middle section going through all the Exodus story. How are we going to do that? Well, we can do it personally, can't we, as we open the Bible or listen on the app as we listen to podcasts, there are all sorts of things we can do that will help us to have that focus, that remembrance, that intentional remembering of God and His goodness and His promises and His mighty deeds. And of course we do it collectively as, as we gather as church, and do you realise what a privilege that is. In this meeting, uh, if you've got a good local church or a prayer trip, whatever it is for you, intentionally remembering God, then as we do that, the other thing he's doing is intentionally rejoicing in the Lord. Getting directly in contact with God's goodness as he sings and remembers and reinforces in his mind and heart and soul these truths about God. Not in isolate, not a sort of, you know, fluffy. Uh, this is not a particularly fluffy psalm, is it? If you, if you kind of... I focus on the positive at the beginning the prayer at the beginning and the positive at the end but the middle bit if we have more time not a lot of fluff in that mighty deliverance yes reasons to rejoice yes but easy feel good factor hmm. remembering God intentionally rejoicing in God intentionally and encouraging others around us to do the same And then as we do that as we keep remembering and keep rejoicing in the goodness of god out of that we will pray like habakkuk praying for his mercy and waiting patiently for his timing father we ask that each of us uh, in our individual lives in our families in our responsibilities in our home communities and our churches might be those who do pray like Habakkuk, like Jesus taught us, who don't only pray for our daily bread, although praise you Lord that you care for us so much that you invite us to do that. But also get involved in this big work of praying your kingdom come and your will be done. We long Lord that that would be part of our prayer life, part of what we do as Those in community with others, part of how you use us, we pray, in our lives in the world. And we pray it in Jesus' name. And we pray, Lord, we pray as we prayed at the beginning, that you would indeed bring renewal around the world. After this season of COVID, after this horrendous war that's going on, we cry to you, Father, that you would bring a swift end to the conflict in Ukraine and, Lord, other conflicts around the world that are just bubbling up and spilling over. We pray for your mercy, Lord. We pray for hope. We pray for the future. Lord, we know that there needs to be times of judgment. But we pray, Lord, in your mercy, they will be very short. And we pray that, yeah, particularly for Ukraine and for our world right now, that you would restore us to uh, people being able to live free and live lives of rebuilding and that you'd empower each of us to play our part. In Jesus' name, amen.